What's up, people? Another episode of Just for Sport. Jamoke Davis here with you. I hope you're doing well. Got a lot to get to today. Stuff on my mind. Chelsea is getting a new owner. I got some thoughts on the Tim Anderson and Josh Donaldson. I'm conflicted over their uh, dust-up. Verbal dust-up, that is. And my thoughts on was it really racially motivated or not. Of course, we're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. Sad the Warriors couldn't sweep. I was hoping for it. But it was raining in Dallas. In the arena. And it was raining threes for the Mavs. I'll talk about that. Boston, Miami. I got no clue who's going to win that one. I think it's closer than even I thought initially when it first started. We'll talk about that. The All-NBA team. Steve Kerr, why he is not only one of the best coaches in the NBA, but why he's one of the best people as well. And a little French Open. But first, I'm going to start with my thoughts on Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson. So, Tim Anderson was called Jackie by Josh Donaldson. And Tim Anderson felt that that was uh, racially motivated. This happened over the weekend. And subsequently, Josh Donaldson was suspended a game over it. Now, the thing for me is, when I first read that, you know there's that famous book, uh, Never Cry Wolf. And I have to admit that that's the first thing I thought about. When I read the story and you hear that uh, Tim Anderson described himself as the modern day Jackie Robinson. He was quoted in Sports Illustrated. Quote, is getting to a point where I need to change the game because I'm like today's Jackie Robinson. Now, you can say it was a mistake in that Josh Donaldson and Tim Anderson don't like each other. They have some history. They go back. But after everything that I've read and internally thinking about it, talking to colleagues, talking to friends and family, I've in this case, I feel like it was overblown by Tim Anderson. I just do. And you may disagree with me, and that's okay. I'm not like, oh my gosh, he should not have been suspended. But I think even if, even if Josh Donaldson was doing it in like a, either he thought Tim Anderson was being egotistical or I don't like him. It just doesn't fall to me in what, really could be something that's racially motivated, like calling somebody the N-word. 
you refer to yourself as a modern-day Jackie Robinson. So the fact that Josh Donaldson was like, what's up, Jackie? Okay, it's a joke. You can say, all right, fine. It was a joke in poor taste because they're not friends. Maybe that was a way for Josh Donaldson to make feel like, hey, I thought I was kind of like endearing myself to him. Trying to do a mea culpa, a white flag. Yo, we're cool. We're cool. My bad. He said my bad. Jim Anderson said at least about the one game suspicion, quote, suspension, quote, it's out of my control, so I'm cool with whatever. I could care less about the suspension, end quote. I respect the fact that that's the way Tim Anderson feels and he should receive the support from everyone, including me, that says, hey, that's the way you feel. And I'm not saying it's wrong one way or the other for him to feel that way. I'm saying for me, in my mind, I just, I was like, okay, I think if he didn't make the comments in Sports Illustrated, you got something there. But I think Josh Donaldson, and yes, I am thinking about it. When I read all of the stories about it, it I just, I just didn't see it. But. In the end, it was a mistake. And regardless of what his intent was, what Josh Donaldson's intent was, it's unfortunate that this is where we are. And I get that he is one of the few black players in Major League Baseball. And I know that they don't get along. And that plays into it. They don't like each other. And so from that perspective as well, I mean, I get it. I get it. But it seemed to me like it was a bit overblown. Just a bit overblown. Because the thing for me is the actual Jackie Robinson, what he went through, actually being called the N word and getting a lot of threats. And maybe Tim Anderson got some, you know, a small percentage of that in today's game, which is sad too. But what Jackie Robinson went through. That is truly unfortunate. And the fact that where we are today, that, you know, in some sporting venues, yes, players are, you know, shoot, called the N-word. You know, fans are saying things to players that I don't think is right. But if you think that's bad, shoot. Wait till you hear the st- if you could ever hear the stuff that the players say to each other. 
I just think what Jackie Robinson had to endure when he was playing, it pales in comparison to this of Tim Anderson saying that because Josh Donaldson called him Jackie, trying to be it in a funny, endearing way, yes, it was in poor taste, just doesn't compare to me. What I think is getting some attention, but not a lot of attention. Well, I mean, I guess it's going to make headlines. Is the sale of Chelsea to the L.A. Dodgers co-owner Todd Bowley. And as you know, with the war in Ukraine, between Ukraine and Russia, the Chelsea owner, Roman Abramovich, was selling the team in parts to, you know, he he got sanctioned because he's a, you know, uh, he's on the Putin team. And he said the money would go to victims of the war in Ukraine. And I know in many ways it was like, okay, well, let's make sure that the money is going to the war in Ukraine. So the sale of this team and, and, The UK government had to make sure that the money was actually going to go to victims of the war in Ukraine. Because I guess Abramovich set up a company called Camberley International Investments. It wanted to make sure it actually got to the victims. The UK government had some reservations about it, and I still do. But I hope the UK government went through whatever deliberations they needed to, I'm still somewhat skeptical. I mean, it's a $2.5 billion price tag. $1.75 billion that has to be invested into the club. Um, I just hope at some point as we are watching into the Premier League in Manchester City... They took home the English Premier League Cup, as much as that hurts to say, but my brother's happy. Liverpool was two, Chelsea three. So Chelsea's still in the Champions League. But once they get out of, you think Roman Abramovich has sanctions, Chelsea has sanctions for some things that they have done as a club that were not kosher. So that, the team as a whole, has to make some changes. And I hope with this new ownership group, yes, I am a Chelsea fan, but as this uh, Clear Lake Capital group becomes the new owners of Chelsea, they're also part owners in the Dodgers and Lakers and Sparks, another American owner owning a English 
Premier League or English Soccer Club is what I'll say. Football Club. We'll see if it means something positive. I mean, certainly some of the American owners, um, the where they are majority American owners, have not necessarily fared well. But obviously for Chelsea, I hope that they do. I sincerely hope that they do. All right, we'll go over to basketball. And Luka Doncic and the Mavs, they avoid a sweep. Luka says, I still believe that we can win. Nah. I think think that in my mind, they got lucky. I think the Mavs were ready for the sweep. But the rain delay... And the reigning threes by the Mavs are two things that the Warriors were probably not prepared for. There was a leak in the ceiling and the players had to take a break. The second one at American Airlines Center. At least it was in an arena, not actually in an airplane. But then once the game started, the Mavs were raining threes and the Warriors were no match for them. I felt like by midway in the second quarter, I was like, yeah, this game is over. And that's unfortunate. I, I'm not a big fan of sweeps. I love game sevens. But when it's Luka, I was good with the sweep. But I was bummed they didn't get it. They played well. I have to admit that the Mavs played well. Maybe that's the one game they have in them because now it's going back to Golden State. I imagine that Golden State, they're going to close it out. No team has ever come back from a 3-0 lead. So Luka can say he believes they still can win. He's supposed to say he believes that they'll still win. But I don't see it happening. Dallas won 119 to 109 in game four. They had eight three-pointers in the third quarter to get a 29-point lead. But in the second quarter, to me, I was like, nah, this is Dallas's night. Dorian Finney-Smith, 23 points. Reggie Bullock, 18 points. They shot 46.5% from three. I mean, whatever chance the Warriors had of getting back into the game with the delay at halftime for 16 minutes, that was the end of it. And I believe that the Warriors will go back home and end this in game five. 
They're the favorites to win the series. They're the favorites to win the championship. And I fully expect them to get it done. I think they will get it done. Now, in the other series between the Celtics and the Heat, I don't know. I really don't. I mean, you look at the lines. I mean, the Mavs, they're a seven-point dog on the road. But every Heat-Celtics game going going the rest of the way started with game five. Right now, the Celtics are one-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, not that the games have really been that close, but I feel like you just don't know who's going to win. You really don't. I think these teams... I don't think that they're evenly matched. I think that the Celtics are better offensively and play defense. If Marcus Smart's on the court, that's an even better Celtics team with William, the Williams. They aren't really brothers, but I like to call them that. But there's a grit and a toughness with Miami that won't quit. And remember, it's only 2020. They were in the NBA Finals, lost to the Lakers in the bubble. And you could say it was a bubble. Bottom line is... Two years ago, with Jimmy Butler, they were in the NBA Finals. And while the makeup of this team may be a little different, it still doesn't change the fact that they were in the NBA Finals. And I think that they can get back there. So I think it's a toss-up who's going to win the rest of this series. I really do. You could say the team with home court advantage is going to win the series, but I don't because I don't think Miami has the firepower. They really need, even though they've got home court advantage, they really need for Boston to have bad games in my mind in order to win. Or they've got to play lights out. I don't feel like Boston has to do that. The same way I think that Miami really needs everyone to have their best game in order for them to win. You need Duncan Robinson. You need Tyler Hero. You need Jimmy Butler. I mean, I guess in the end, yeah, you're going to be like, yeah, of course you need those players. Yes, I get that. Yes, everybody has to play well. But I think that you have to have amazing games from the Heat in order for them to stay in the series, whereas I feel like Boston can do the status quo. They have been the best team in the NBA since the All-Star break, and they can win this series. But I think the toughness in Miami... The championship medal to get to the NBA Finals. I could see I could see Miami winning this. I think the key here really is game five tonight. If Miami gets the win, I think they win in seven. If they lose, I think the Celtics win in game six. That's what that's my thing. And I know it's tough. Like, wait, you can't have two predictions? Yeah, I can. 
I've got two predictions. I have two. I think Boston is the better team. And they should win the series. They should. But Miami, man, they do so much more with less. They really do. I said I would talk tennis. I'm keeping up with the French Open. Not a lot in these early stages. But I watched Francis Tiafo get a win. That was exciting. As I'm recording this, the tournament is going on right now. It's playing in France. They're hours ahead. So no real predictions. Nothing that I'm watching that's, you know, a, a shocker, if you will. There have been a couple upsets, but I'm just watching. I'm keeping my eye on it. But I did want to talk about how you know I got my bucket list and I have I have it on my bucket list that I really 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 want to go to All four of the majors. U.S. Open, Wimbledon, French Open, and Australian Open. Australian Open probably is on the bottom of that list. But having family in Australia is like, okay, I want to go there. Uh, England. I mean, Wimbledon would be great to see. France, maybe I go to Paris, never been to Paris. But the thing that's most disappointing is I have multiple chances to go to the U.S. Open. I just have it. I want to see Serena Williams once, and I don't know if I'll be able to anymore. But this, this year, this year, I am, I am planning to go. I'm planning to go. And let's hope that Serena will be there. This year, I'm hoping she'll be there. But I'll keep watching the French Open and seeing what happens. I feel like the, the, the big news is Andre Rublev getting mad and almost hitting a court sweeper in the head with the ball. But he wasn't necessarily angry at the the ball, the court sweeper, but it's unfortunate. But you know, it's early in the French Open. It's early. What I did want to talk about finally is the things that aren't sports related but affect sports. And the two things are 
the Cleveland Browns and the trade for Deshaun Watson. And now we have two women accused, two women who have accused Deshaun Watson of the inappropriate social conduct. Feel like in an interview they did with uh, on HBO Real Sports with Brian Gumble, which I still have to watch, which I'm gonna watch. But they're feeling like, as they said, "quote It's just like a big screw you." By one of the women is Ashley Solis. Solis, excuse me if I mispronounce her name. She said, "quote That's what it feels like. That we don't care. He can run and throw." And that's what we care about. And that's unfortunate. Because the conduct of us as human beings should come before sports or politics. Or in in the entertainment industry, any industry. And we obviously don't hear about most of it. Most of it comes from, you know, someone in a higher profile. But Watson is still facing 22 civil lawsuits. And just because the criminal lawsuits have gone away and the NFL is still investigating whether Watson violated its code of conduct policy... I hope that when this investigation is done, okay, Cleveland, you traded for him, but you're not going to get to play him for another year or two. Solis went on to say on HBO that after the massage session, she said that Watson said to her, Quote, he just said, I know you have a career to protect, she said, and I know you don't want anyone messing with it, just like I don't want anyone messing with mine. To me, that's when I really got scared. Kyla Hayes is another one who said, I felt like he's being rewarded for bad behavior. And I think this is no doubt going to be very tough for the league. I mean, 22. Two grand juries declined to pursue criminal charges. Of course, yes, Watson has said he has done anything wrong. But in my opinion, when I read that the grand juries have declined to pursue criminal charges is a lot of it's because it's he said, she said. The proof is not fully there to go to trial, but it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And thus we have the 22 civil lawsuits that he has to go through. And I know for the women to say, oh, but you get to play football again. Cleveland Brown's like, ah, whatever. Yeah, we'll move on. And he's not the only one. Robert Kraft, the owner of the New England Patriots, 
had an incident caught on camera, still owns the Patriots. And I'm not saying it means what he did, he shouldn't own the Patriots, as much as I'm just saying that, in some cases, yes. We are putting sports above the code of conduct of a person. And I hope the NFL will look at that when they're making their decision on what to do about Deshaun Watson. And HBO, The Real Sports with Brian Gumbel show is one of my favorite shows. If there's any program I haven't worked on, it'd be like, what show would you like to work on? That's one of the shows I'd love to, to be a part of. And not just for the investigative journalism, but just the storytelling. I, I love what they do there. They're me award winning. They're the best. They're the best. And one that I hold in high regard. Speaking of high regard, I have high regard for the Warriors coach, Steve Kerr. And my wife said to me yesterday, hey, did you hear about the mass shooting in Texas as we were getting ready to go to bed? And I was like, no. I pretty much was working all day. Never watched the news. I don't even think I turned on the television and never checked on live. I was working, working, working. And yes, part of it is I'm telling you a little about my life. That probably isn't a good thing that I worked so much that I did wasn't even paying attention to what's going on in life. Even after taking my son to Kung Fu and swimming and my dad was there, but my dad probably saw me working and texting and It was a lot. And so you know the first thing I saw when I did find out about it was reading about the massacre and I I feel for the families. 14 children were killed and a teacher There were elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. The Asian churchgoers in Southern California. A lot of gun violence going on in this. In the world, really. But Steve Kerr calling out U.S. senators and Mitch McConnell by name. To try to take some, to do something about gun control. He said, quote, when are we going to do something? I'm tired. He was yelling in his pregame Western Conference semifinals press conference. As Steve Kerr talked about the 14 children killed by the time He was finished talking. There were 19 students and two adults that were killed. And Steve Kerr has a personal connection to this because his father was assassinated in Beirut when Steve Kerr was in Arizona. As I read about the story and the connection to the Warriors and their connections to a lot of people. Draymond Green's college teammate, Adrian Payne, was killed due to gun violence. That was earlier this month. 
Kerr said, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired. Excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple years ago. It's been sitting there two years. There's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. I ask you, Mitch McConnell, all of you senators who refuse to do anything about the violence, school shootings, supermarket shootings, I ask you, are you going to put your own desire for power ahead of the lives of our children and our elderly and our churchgoers? Because that's what it looks like. That's what we do every week. There was a moment of silence before the game in Dallas, Texas, the state where this mass shooting at a school happened, a tragic shooting. For me, it kind of hits close to home and because my mom, who lives in Connecticut, literally passed by Sandy Hook School five, ten minutes before the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. And there are numerous shootings before then, but since then, it's increased. And my mom still talks about it to this day. The chills she gets thinking of, I was just passing the school minutes before the shooting happened. And not in a way that she could have been there, but more in the way of, I was in this sleepy Connecticut town. I love living in Connecticut. Just beautiful. Loves her yard and gardening. And like, no, it's, it's the world we live in now. And a mass shooting can happen anywhere. I've got an older kid with a car that I worry about him getting carjacked. And I've got two little ones that I think about them at daycare in their school. And when they go out into the world and I can't protect them or my wife can't protect them or the teachers can't protect them, chaperones, etc., The sadness for me is I don't think anything will be done. I think that the senators, I think that Congress, at least on one side of the aisle, they'll say a couple platitudes. Oh, I'm sad. This is tragic. Da, da, da. But in the end, they won't do anything. This isn't going to change their minds about HR8. This background check rule will just stay where it is. I would be surprised if this moves anyone, anyone to do it. And to tell you what the rule is, the bill establishes, uh, look, looking it up on congress.gov, the bill establishes new background check requirements for firearm transfers between private parties. Specifically, it prohibits a firearm transfer between private parties unless a licensed gun dealer, manufacturer, or importer first takes possession of the firearm to conduct a background check. The prohibition does not apply to certain firearm transfers, such as a gift between spouses in good faith. 
but it's really about unlicensed individuals. And we're going to find out over the coming days of how this 18-year-old was able to get the gun. We're going to learn more about it as I'm recording this early in the morning. And it hurts. It hurts a lot. It hurts when I think of my kids. The alleged gunman who was 18-year-old student at the high school. Unfortunately, now he's dead. And I guess in a weird way, I, I, I'm fortunate that what, what he did, he should die for. That's what I believe. But I also was saying that in like a... I just don't understand why. Why a person would do this to someone else. And there's a part of me that feels like because of where this happened is another reason why Congress won't care. Because it's not like it happened at some private school where privileged kids go to. And that makes me sad too. That someone will say, uh, it wasn't in a rich neighborhood. You know, there's going to be this, this stigma that's put on a status of the school and, and the types of kids and parents and teachers and administration at this particular school. And it shouldn't. And that makes it sad, too. When is enough enough? And it also makes me think about, like, that's one of the reasons why it's not a good thing, but it is a reason why I watch sports, even though sometimes it makes me angry. But nowhere near as angry as I am about a mass shooting. But like it takes my mind away from the pain of what's happening in the real world. You watch a sporting event. And you get a little bit of an escape. But then you always come back to reality. And it's really not always a good one. It's not a good way to end just for sport either. My condolences to the families, the victims. Of the mass shootings. 
But there's a lot that's wrong with this world. And someday when I hope that things will get better, it'll be something else. And that makes me sad. I don't want to end on a sad note. I don't. But hopefully something positive can come from this. Ciao for now. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the Just for Sport podcast. All you have to do is sign up now and use the promo code J for Sport, and Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the Prize Picks app today.